listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. Good evening, y'all. It is so good to see you. I don't know about you guys, but the holidays are here. Who is the, like, really strict, we celebrate Thanksgiving, we don't skip Thanksgiving person? Okay, we got, that's my sister. I can kind of take it or leave it. We're eating the same thing on Thanksgiving that we're going to eat again on Christmas. It all feels like a blur to me. Um, who is, like, the I'm decorating for Christmas today person? Okay. Everybody has a really strong opinion, especially Jonathan on that, apparently. Uh, Y'all, the holidays are here, and I don't know about you, but I feel like once uh, Halloween hits, our family is in fast forward, full speed ahead until January 2nd, right? Like the holidays, it's like I feel pre-tired going into it, just thinking about what we're all getting ready to be doing. And I kind of hadn't thought about this until I was texting Silas earlier, and I realized I am kind of tired already. Like we've been going full speed ahead already. Last Thursday, when we had our movie night here, this Sunday we had my son's birthday party. Yesterday, we're trick-or-treating for Halloween. Tonight, we've got our gathering. Tomorrow is my son's birthday, and we leave at 6.25 in the morning to head to Disney World, which I'm super excited about. Uh, but nobody gets home from Disney World like energized, right? Um, so uh, then, we, then we get into the rest of November. My family has Rachel's birthday and my mom's birthday. We got Thanksgiving. We all have Christmas and New Year's. Y'all, it can feel like a blur, right, getting through the holiday season. And I don't know about you, but it feels like if I could just have maybe 28 hours in my day, maybe I could get everything done that I need to get done, right? Anybody else appreciate maybe 28 hours? I feel like just an extra four. I'm not asking for like 35 hours, just an extra four. And maybe I could get done everything that I need to get done. And as I was studying Acts 3 for tonight, one of the principles I feel like God was teaching me and that I want to show, tonight, show you tonight is that maybe the key to all of this, maybe the key to your day being fulfilling and meaningful and productive, maybe the key is actually to slow down. Maybe it's not to move faster. Maybe it's not to check off everything on the list every single day. Maybe it is actually to slow down. That's what God wants us to see in Acts chapter 3 tonight, and you can go ahead and be opening there. Acts chapter 3, it's in the back half of your Bible. Um, This is after Jesus has left the scene. He has ascended to heaven. He's left the disciples in charge. And tonight we're going to see one of the first miracles after Jesus has uh, left earth, right? So one of the first miracles, we're going to look at it from the, the viewpoint of three different people within this story. So we've got two of the disciples, we have a crippled man, and we have a crowd that's watching what's happening. And Luke is really intentional. He, I think he focuses in, he mentions a lot what people see, what they're doing with their eyes, and I want us to notice those things tonight. So we're going to look at it from the vantage point of these three parties, and we're going to see God bring the disciples to a point of decision. Am I going to keep with my schedule for the day? Am I going to knock out everything on the list? Or am I going to let God dictate my calendar? And I don't know about you, but I hope that that would be true of me, that I let God dictate my day. The first person who we see in the story is the lame man. 
And what he is going to see in the story when he sees people around him is he sees an opportunity. When we see the lame man in the story, what he is seeing is an opportunity. So Acts chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. That's key, what they're doing right there. They're going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there and he was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. So wrap your minds around the picture here. We've got this lame man. He is uh, sitting at a gate into the temple. Uh, he's honestly probably in a great spot to beg, right? But that, that's his whole life is begging. So every day since he was born, uh, he's had to live in this condition. And so much of his life has just been begging and hoping people might take care of him out of their overflow. So he sits at this gate and begs. And I imagine being around all the religious people, maybe this was a choice spot for those who had to beg at the time. You think maybe the people going in and out of the temple are going to be more generous, right? You would think. And what, what I want you to see is what he sees as people pass him by. So every person that he sees pass by, right, is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for him to uh, receive something. It's an opportunity for himself because it has to be. Right? He sees an opportunity for food or money or clothing, whatever the case may be. He's going to notice every single person that walks by him because he's in need. Right? This is how he survives. But it's not just an opportunity for a gift. Think about, put yourself in his shoes for a second. Each person that passes by is also an opportunity for rejection. So he sees every person as an opportunity, but think about it all day long. He's got people passing him by that don't give him the time of day, right? What a, what a tough life that must have been to, be, to feel that rejection over and over again. And think about the picture again. What, what does it say? Uh, look back at your text. What did it call this gate outside of the temple? How was it described? It says it was beautiful. This was the beautiful gate. We can assume that it was this wonderful piece of architecture. It's ornate. It's something that drew people's eyes, right? And yet we have this crippled, broke, probably dirty man sitting in front of it. What are your eyes going to be drawn to? What do you want to look at in that situation? It's probably the thing that is described as beautiful. And it begs the question for all of us, what would you do in this situation? Would you have noticed the man? Would you have stopped? What about the people you pass every day on the way to class or in the office next to you? or at the gym, wherever you may be, who are the people that you see all the time that maybe you don't even know their name yet? Maybe it's the people that are in this room every other Tuesday. You see them, you both know you're here, but you haven't had a conversation yet to introduce each other. Who are those people in your life? I typically think of myself in this situation at the gym. That's one place that I go every single morning. And the people there, I've been going to the same gym for about six years now since I've lived here. And sometimes it hits me like, man, how many of these people that I see every single morning do I actually know anything about? Like, what, what, what is holding me back from starting comfort? It's so easy to, to just stay in the comfort zone of our headphones, right? Like, it's gym etiquette. Like, you get the headphones in, you're not talking to each other, right? I mean, you got to go out of your way to start a conversation there. But, y'all, that's, that's not how we operate as believers. We don't just stay in any kind of comfort zone. We push ourselves 
past those. And it's actually kind of cool. Uh, a couple of years when, a, when the Lord really got my attention here, a couple of years ago, there was one guy that I started a conversation with, kind of started praying for. And actually, we, we, I changed times that I went to the gym, never saw him anymore. And actually, he's started coming to Long Hollow now, and I've seen him, and he's been here on a couple of Tuesday nights. So all that to say, don't give up on people that the Lord brings to your mind. You never know when they might come back into your life. Um, now, listen, I'm not saying you've got to go be a social butterfly everywhere you go, but I do want you to consider having a conversation with your cashier at Kroger while you're checking out. Like take an actual interest in your server who's bringing you food that you're sitting there with for an hour, 45 minutes. Like actually strike up conversations and take an interest in people because isn't it nice to be noticed, right? We've all felt what it's like to not be noticed. How good is it to notice others? Because you know, as, as followers of Jesus and following Jesus' example, we really can't justify being in the community, right? But not engaging the community. We can't do that. We can't justify being out around people and not actually entering into their lives. Because how, how would the story end for the crippled man if Peter and John just walk on by, right? That's not what happens though. The crippled man, he noticed Peter and John. He understandably asked for money. But what do they see in this man? That's the next person's eyesight that I want you to get in your mind. What do Peter and John see in this man? They see this man's needs. Not just one need. We got multiple needs here. The disciples see his needs. Jump back into the text at verse 4. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him. Highlight that, underline that, whatever you got to do to mark that. It's not a coincidence that Peter keeps bringing these things to mind, that Luke keeps bringing these things to mind for us. They looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he's seen them and he's stuck out his hand for money and obviously has turned away, probably not feeling like he's worthy of them, whatever the case may be. Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What a cool scene. And what did they do with their eyes there? What does it say they did? They looked straight at him. I think there's intentional emphasis here. They didn't just see him and look away. They didn't just glance at him. They didn't just catch him out of their peripheral vision. No, they stopped. They're walking and they stop and they actually look at the man. How often does this actually happen for this guy? I don't know. I would imagine it's not very often. If, he, if this is the posture he takes where he's not even looking back at them as he's asking for money, I would imagine this doesn't happen often for him. And think about the scenario Peter and John are in. Like Jesus is gone. They're in charge of the church. Like they've got probably the most holy calendar anybody has ever had outside of Jesus, right? They got responsibilities. Like they're the man when it comes to the church now. They got places they got to be. Nobody would have faulted them if they had said, brother, we got to get in there to prayer, but we'll catch you on the way out, okay? And who knows if they would have or not. Nobody would have faulted them for that. But y'all, Jesus calls us to a higher standard. Jesus calls us to a higher standard. Uh, they saw somebody in need and they stopped and they took the time to help this man. Because think about it. What good is your prayer life? What good is it to be here every single Sunday and every other Tuesday? What good is it to never miss your life group if those things you're involved in don't actually change your actions and change the way you live outside of those times? 
I think Jesus was way more pleased with them stopping to help this man than he was with them getting to prayer on time that day. I want to give you permission to slow down tonight and let God use you. They slowed down and God used them in a really, really powerful way. Doesn't do anybody any good if they make it to the hour of prayer on time and ignore the people they pass on the way there. And the same goes for us, right? It's really see, easy to see how this applies to our lives too, because how often do we actually notice somebody that's in need, right? Put yourself in this scenario. I know you've been there. You see the, uh, the homeless person that's at the stoplight and you're sitting there, you got your sunglasses on and you're begging the light to turn green, right? You're just trying to get out of that uncomfortable situation. How often uh, do you see the, the person in all of those scenarios we talked about earlier and you just, and you just don't take the time to engage with them? I, I, I'm preaching to myself here. I get it. How often are we in that situation? Uh, maybe tonight you're trying to head out, you're trying to get to Slim's before it closes, but somebody's got a dead battery in the parking lot. Like, what do you do in that scenario? Are you willing to take the time to actually look at a person and see them and see their needs? Because it's different when you actually look at somebody, right? When you actually take the time to see a real person with real needs. And Pastor Robbie's challenged me in ways with this. He, he got tired of having the excuse of not having cash to not uh, help people who were in need that he saw out in the community. So he started carrying cash in his car in, a, in an envelope. Now, this is not do this. I love this idea of being proactive in the way you serve people, but please don't leave cash sitting out in your car. Like I'm not asking you to get your car broken into in the name of Jesus. You need to be smart about this. So my dad is a good example of this. There's a lady who lives across the street in their neighborhood who speaks Mandarin. She does not speak any English hardly at all. So in an attempt to be a friend to her, he started, I don't know what he is using to try to learn Mandarin, but he's trying to learn Mandarin. Just learn a few words in that so that he can be a help to her in a time of need. I think that's pretty cool. And what can you do to be proactive in serving people rather than just reactive all the time? Because y'all, when we're, when we're actually praying, maybe this is the step you need to take to be proactive. Start asking God to show you opportunities. Start asking God to give you eyes to see opportunities within your schedule, within your day to serve people. Because here's the thing, when you're asking for that and you're expecting God to bring those about, you're gonna be ready. You're gonna be ready to serve somebody in those moments. But when we're, when we're not looking for those opportunities, when we're just letting them come up to us, when we're only reactive, we're going to be a lot more tempted to make excuses in that moment, right? But man, when you're expecting it to come, you're going to be ready to meet a need. Peter and John, they used their time to help this man in need. And I want you to notice this too. They, they met a, uh, we'll see in a second what happened to this guy. They met multiple needs here. It wasn't just a need for money. It wasn't just physical healing that they need and that they see in this guy. He, he needs, he has financial needs. I don't discredit that at all. But they see that he also has physical needs, right? And they also see that he has spiritual needs for a savior, right? Like we don't have the option as believers to just view people as just human beings. No, no, we see everybody as a spiritual being as well. We believe that people have a soul and we all have this sin issue and we have a need for Jesus, right? So you have that, I have that. The girl who lives in the apartment next to you has a need for Jesus. The guy you work with in the, in the Kroger deli department, he's got a need for Jesus. Everybody you interact with has this same need for Jesus. We view people through a spiritual lens. Peter and John, 
view this man through that spiritual lens. Because read what Peter said again in verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold. He didn't even meet the financial need. Didn't have anything. I don't have silver, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Y'all, he's healed. Like, praise God for it. He actually got the thing that he, he really needed in his body, right? He can walk now. He can get a job. He can support himself. He has all these things now. But there's more to what just happened than his physical healing, right? If you jump down to verse 16, jump down there with me. How, do, how does this happen? What actually brings about the healing in this man's body? Verse 16 tells us, it says, By faith in his name, the name of Jesus, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him his perfect health in front of all of you. Man, what healed this guy? It was faith in Jesus. And we see faith in a couple of different ways here. First, faith that Peter and John had that Jesus would actually do it, right? Like that's a bold thing they just did here. But also faith in this man that, man, I believe Jesus can do this in me. And I honestly, uh, this is totally just a side note from the message, but uh, really since I took this job, I don't know what this says about you guys, but I've had back pain um, from the moment I started this job. And it's starting to go on to Connor too. I don't know if this is some kind of young adult curse or what, but... Um, it hurts like most days. It's, it's a legitimate issue in my life now. Um, I don't know how this has come about, but in my discipleship group last week with, with my, two, uh, my two friends, they prayed over me and prayed that God would heal my back. And as they were praying that over me, the Lord's bringing this passage to mind. And it forced me to think of that moment like, do I actually believe that right now Jesus could heal my back? And I'm sitting there thinking, like, I don't know if I really do. Like, it felt like a scenario of, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? And I would just encourage you, if there's some kind of healing that you need, whether that's physical or spiritual or uh, emotional, whatever it is, would you, would you believe again? Would you believe that Jesus can actually provide whatever that healing is that you need? I really want to encourage you with that tonight. And like I said, that's, that's a side note, but I think that's important for us not to miss here. Um, this man, he had that faith that Jesus could actually heal him in this moment. says so he puts his faith in Christ there. But how, like when we think about somebody putting their faith in Christ, right? Like we're thinking like the pastor gave the invitation at church and they went down front. Or somebody presented the four spiritual laws to them. Or they, somebody walked them through the Romans road and they put their faith in Christ, right? That's what we think of in the 21st century. But how, how did this actually happen here? Like there was no formal gospel presentation here. I think what happened, if you were to read the first two chapters of Acts, the gospel is a wildfire at this time. Like Jesus is gone and all kinds of people are talking about it. Maybe this guy from his spot at the temple, maybe he's heard Jesus before. Maybe he's heard Peter preach before. At the very least, he's heard people talking about Jesus as they've walked by. He's probably heard about other people that he's healed. He's probably heard about Jesus's resurrection. He's thought, if I could only meet this Jesus, maybe my life could be different. I think he was ready to put his faith in Jesus. He was just waiting for somebody to tell him about him. And it makes me wonder, man, how many people that we interact with are ready? They know they've got a need inside them. They know something's missing and they're just waiting on us to tell them about Jesus. I would imagine we all have people that we interact with a lot who are in that situation where they're just waiting on somebody to show them where the healing and where peace and where power comes from. 
and salvation. They're just waiting on us, y'all. Just waiting on us. He was ready to put his faith in Jesus, and he had that opportunity in this moment. And y'all, because we, as believers, this is our responsibility. We have the responsibility to meet people's physical, financial needs. Absolutely. We also have the the responsibility to meet people's spiritual needs. We don't neglect that. Um, Because look look at what they offered him again. I don't have silver gold, but what I do have, I give you. He's given him Jesus, right? I think they took the time to engage with this man because that's what they saw Jesus do. They walked with him for three years and they saw him constantly move slow enough that he always had the time for people. That's challenging. Like, man, how fast do we move all the time? I'm in your work day or in, with, in between classes. Golly, I don't know about y'all. I'm walking fast and I'm texting somebody on the way. Like I move real fast most of the time and this has been challenging for me. Jesus is always moving slow. He's never in a hurry. And we see him meet people's physical, financial needs. We also see him meet their spiritual need all the time. Think about a few examples. Luke 5, Jesus heals the paralyzed man lowered through the ceiling. He forgives him of his sins in that moment too. Luke 8, Jesus heals the woman with the problem of bleeding. He tells her her faith is properly placed in him. John 9, he heals the man born blind. He opens his eyes and shows him his savior, right? In John 19, he took on the suffering himself. He took on your physical pain and your sin, and he forgave you of your sin. Now, Jesus may or may not meet each of our physical or financial needs or our wants or desires, but he always meets our spiritual need for a savior, I would imagine somebody in here probably needs to hear that tonight. Because you see, when Peter reached out his hand to this man to lift him up physically, he was also lifting out a hand to lift him up spiritually. Like he was offering this man a new life following after Jesus. And the offer is the same for you tonight. Would you take the opportunity to start this new life with spiritual healing, uh, following Jesus yourself? Maybe that's where some of you are tonight. Maybe that's where some of you are tonight. This man... He noticed the disciples. The disciples slowed down and let God use them in this man's life. And it was life-changing for him. Think about what could be if we slowed down, right? Because it wasn't just this man's life who was changed. We've also got a crowd of people watching. And what does the crowd see when they see this scenario? The crowd sees the power of Jesus. They have a front row seat to it. The crowd sees the power of Jesus. And if you, if you put yourself in their shoes for a moment, think about it. There's somebody in your life that you know you see all the time who has some particular issue, right? They know this man sits at the gate. They know he's crippled. They see him sitting there every single day. He never moves. That's his life. That's what they know. And like walking and standing is not a big deal to them or to us. Like we take that for granted, understandably so. But if you, if you have observed Rachel any on these Tuesday nights, you've seen that her job is really hard right now because of our sons. She is chasing them in the back of the room because Boone is one and he's figured out how to walk and he does not want to just sit or stand anymore because once you figure out walking, you're you're ready to live in that freedom, right? So as parents, it's one of the most proud moments we have. Like, buddy, you figured it out. You're getting it. You have so much freedom now. You can just go, be free. And it's, uh, we got grandparents calling and asking about it. Our sisters are calling and asking about it. Like it gets people's attention because this is the thing he's never done before. And all of a sudden he's figured it out. And as, as amazed as we are as parents and as proud as we are and as cool as our families think it are, man, how much more does it get the attention of the people who've seen this man for years and years and years never move? 
Like this is an attention getting thing that's going on. So look, look down at verse seven and I want you to see what the crowd sees. Verse seven, then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once, that's important right there. At once, his feet and his ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. Y'all, this guy, they know him. They know this is not his life. And all of a sudden it says he's, he's leaping and praising God in this moment. Like this is a crazy sight that's happening. Like he's not grabbing somebody's hand, like slowly getting up. He's not a, a baby deer learning to walk for the first time. He's not my son in this months long process of, of working up the confidence to take off on his own. No, no, it says at once, the power of Jesus here y'all, at once he became strong and he's leaping. Like this is a big deal. It already has their attention. And I want you to think again about where this happened right in front of the temple. These are the religious people. They know the text. They know this book. And all of a sudden they're saying, whoa, I need to pay attention to this. Because if you were to read Isaiah 35, 6, it's talking about when the Messiah comes and it says, the lame will leap like a deer. The lame will leap like a deer. All of a sudden those words are in bright lights in their head. Thinking, wait a minute. This guy was lame and he's leaping. Like, I need to pay attention to this. Like, God's doing something here. This is not a coincidence. I've heard this my whole life and it's happening right in front of my eyes, right? In fact, there's such a crowd that gathers, says all the people were running to Peter. It was, they were running to him to see what had happened, to hear about this Jesus. There's such a crowd that the temple police arrest Peter and John. Like, they're not fans of Jesus. They don't like this crowd that's gathering around. Y'all, if you keep reading, you see that chapter four indicates there were 2,000 people who started following Jesus that day. That's pretty cool. If you think about one small act of stopping to meet needs, of slowing down and letting God use you. They didn't hurry their way through their schedule that day. They were late to prayer that day. And it was the most fulfilling, the most productive, the most meaningful day they'd ever had up to that point. And I don't know about you, sometimes I think, all right, yeah, I want to I wanna serve. I want that to be part of my life. I want to start slowing down and, and letting God use me, but I don't really know where to start, right? And I, I want to encourage you. I want to give you just a couple of really, really tangible ways that you can start with this. So we have no excuses after tonight to, to not slow down and serve people in need, right? I, I want to point out some ways that you can serve here at the church and also in your community. I want you to think back to the first time you ever walked into Long Hollow. Like, y'all, this is a big church. There are a lot of people here. It can be really easy to walk in and out and be unnoticed. And you go home and think, am I ever going to fit in here, right? It's just a, it's just a fact of a, of a larger church, right? How much would it have made a difference for you if that was you to have somebody that was about your age who greeted you at the door or somebody about your age who helped you find your seat in the worship center or somebody who was in your stage of life that gave you your coffee as you got it before you walked into the worship center? That would have made a difference to you if you had made that kind of connection your first time in the door. Now you're still here, so you came back, but how many people don't come back because they, they don't make that connection when they first walk in? So we talked earlier about being proactive in your serving, right? And this is, this is a way to serve here at Long Hollow. The proactive step that I really, really want you to take after tonight is just this. We, we ask all of our volunteers to fill out an application. 
So we know you, we have a little bit of your story, we know who we're putting at the door to greet people, right? We ask everybody to fill out that application and I want you to go do that. Go fill out that application so that that step is already taken care of when you feel like the Lord is calling you to serve in some place, whether that's on Sunday morning or Tuesday nights here with us, wherever that may be within the church, longholla.com slash serve, gather young, you can find it. It's a really, really easy application. I want you to go ahead and fill that out, why not? Why not let God use you in that way? Go ahead and fill it out. And then when we're ready and we need to call on you, you're ready to go. You don't even have to do that. I want you to think about doing that because uh, I know if Rachel and I could do anything different before we had kids, it would probably be this. I think we would have served more at our church because listen, y'all, I know you're busy. I know your life feels really, really full, but you have way more time on your hands than you realize you do if you don't have kids yet. It becomes a whole lot harder to be freed up to serve in any capacity once you're chasing little ones around, right? Look, I'm not trying to like demean you or anything, but you got time. You have time if you'll just look for it. You've got the time to serve. And I, I wanna challenge you guys to do that because we wish we had. We wish we had done more of that before we had our children. Um, the second one is this really, really tangible step. And Carrie mentioned it earlier. Just I want you to participate in this clothing drive that we're doing for Be Blessed Ministries. So when you come back for the Thanksgiving dinner in two weeks, um, bring something with you. Like actually go look through your closet. Find something that you maybe don't wear anymore. Um, find something that's warm or some shoes, whatever it may be. Go find something and actually bring that. Because there are people out there, y'all know, there are people who are cold this time of year, who have a real need for clothing and things like that. Why don't you actually bring something? Like that, may, maybe we'll make that, I don't know. Connor may shoot me down on this. Maybe that's your meal ticket into the Thanksgiving dinner next time. Uh, I don't know. I'll bring something extra if you don't bring something. But uh, do that. Participate in that. And then we can all celebrate on the back end. Like I want to take a truckload of stuff over to that ministry and then be blown away by what's happening in this young adult ministry. Be blown away by your generosity. Um, as I think about this particular story, uh, it always brings to mind a time where I felt like I kind of lived it a little bit. Um, and I was not quite as heroic as Peter and John were, right? But a couple of years ago, this was three, four, five years ago, we were in Birmingham for the Southern Baptist Convention. And I was with our lead team, and we went to lunch one day. And on the way there, we passed a man. He's sitting on the steps uh, outside of a store. I didn't know if he was homeless or not or what his situation was. Didn't really have intentions of finding out. We went on into the restaurant. Well, this restaurant didn't have high chairs, which I'm like, he doesn't have high chairs, but uh, I think that was maybe the Lord using that in my life. So before we get our food, I go back out to my car to get uh, our stroller, just so we have something to sit for it in while we eat. And so I have to pass this guy. And I'm thinking, oh man, I've already passed him once, but I'm, I'm really kind of in a hurry. Uh, do I just walk past him? Like, what do I do here? And he answered the question for me. I'm walking past him and he says, excuse me, sir. And I'm like, well, Lord, there's my answer. I was already thinking about this text and it felt like the Lord was saying to me, all right, Dylan, you're going to live what you preach here? Like you're telling other people they need to slow down. Are you going to slow down and talk to this guy? And so I did because he, I mean, no, no holiness of mine. The, the guy started talking to me and his name was Andy. I had on a Replicate ministry shirt. I got to explain what Replicate was, how, what I do here at Long Hollow. And he actually told me he grew up in a Baptist church and he indicated to me that he knew Jesus as his savior. Um, but the way he had ended up on the street was actually as a teenager, he came out to his family as transgender and they kicked him out of the home. So this was a brief conversation, but man, a meaningful one. Um, it, it 
I know it impacted me to see the reality that he was living in, right? Um, and that, that we know of nothing profound happened in that moment. Like there was no crowd like there was here. But it did give me the opportunity to buy him a meal and pray with him as we left the restaurant later. And I was so glad later that the Lord kind of forced me into that, right? And it kind of, it made me ask the question, like, what is so hard about that? Like, in hindsight, that was not hard to do. Why was it hard for me on the front end to stop and actually give this guy my time? And, and the only answer I've been able to come up with is just because it cost me something. If it can feel like an inconvenience. Like maybe it cost me time or it cost me money. Whatever the case may be, it costs us something when we have to stop to serve somebody. And think about this. Whenever any situation where you serve, it means you saying yes to serving but no to something else. You have to say no to something else in order to say yes to serving. But here's the thing about it. It always means saying yes to something that is of more value, that is of eternal value, that brings more glory to God than it does to you. Saying yes to serving always means saying, saying, saying yes to serving always means saying yes to something greater. Because think about that scenario. I, what did I lose? I lost a little bit of time and a little bit of money. But what did I gain there? I gained an opportunity to minister to Andy and to show my really young son at the time, his parents stopping and praying for somebody. I wouldn't trade that for the world. Think about the disciples here. It cost them time in jail, but what did they gain? They gained witnessing a move of God. Think about Jesus himself. In his life, he said no to his own life in order to say yes to giving you life. Y'all, when we say yes to serving, we're saying yes to something greater. Service always means saying no to something, but it also means saying yes to the one who served us. Now, there are opportunities to serve all around us if we'll take the time to notice them. So my encouragement for you tonight is this. Just slow down because God is ready to use you. Let me pray over you. Father, I am so grateful for this group here who I believe in. Lord, I see so much potential in these people, and I'm so honored to get to be with them. Lord, I pray that you would be heavy on us as we go about our days, because, Lord, tomorrow it's going to hit. Tomorrow when we wake up and our feet hit the floor, we're going to have the list of everything that we need to do in our heads. And we're going to instantly be challenged by you. Are we going to let you control our calendar, or are we going to control it, Lord? Are we going to slow down enough that you can use us, or are we going to keep moving as fast as we ever have? God, I pray that you would convict us, that you would show us opportunities to serve, that you would provide the means for us to serve as well, God. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory for it. We'll do it in your name, and we'll do it because you served us. Jesus, we love you. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen.